All right. Thank you. All right. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. We pray that your word will be a blessing to all of us, including me. And I ask that you will guide the words that I speak. That they will be what you want me to say. And you will help me to bring glory to Jesus Christ. I just ask that believers will find encouragement. Non-believers will become believers. And that Jesus will be glorified. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you've been around for a while, you know I've been, I've been speaking about the words from the cross. It's been a while. I, at least this is the sixth message on it. Even though seven words were spoken, I skipped two. <laughs> so, so today I'm going to speak on the final words from the cross. And it's written there. The Lord Jesus said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Or I commit my spirit, if you are King James. So that's a good song that you should learn. David Hansen loves this song. Hell thou once despised Jesus. Hell thou Galilean king, thou did suffer to release us, thou did free us. Thou this free salvation bring. And then it talks about worship, honor, power, and blessing. Christ is worthy to receive. Loudest praises without ceasing. Right it is for us to give. Songs are good. And especially when they are exalting Jesus because they're easy to remember. I was telling somebody that some of the greatest preachings that we preach in years past, we probably don't remember them, but we sing Fanny Cosby. To God be the glory, which was many years ago. So it's good to be able to sing and praise God. Notwithstanding, I have to engage you so that you don't just... Uh, and. I want to wake up everyone and wake myself up, get myself uh, ready. So these questions are not trick questions. They are normal, okay? <laughs> so please, what were the first recorded words of Jesus in the New Testament? Come on. <laughs> you have to answer this. It's, it's not a trick question. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, she's right. I must be about my father's business. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, when the parents were looking for him at the age of 12. Remember? 
And he said to them, why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? The emphasis is in my father's house. Father. And his last word on the cross was, Father, into your hands I commit or entrust my spirit. He began with the Father, and he ended with the Father. And his ministry was centered around the Father. All right. No trick questions. <laughs> so you don't have to overthink, okay? How many crosses were at Calvary? There were three. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. How many criminals were crucified along with Jesus? Two. That's it. How do we know that the criminals were crucified? How do we know? It's in the word. The Bible tells us that. Right? That's how we know. We read in the scriptures that two criminals were crucified with Jesus. Who else was crucified with Jesus? You were crucified with Jesus. You were. You were. If you are a believer, you were. And how do we know that you were crucified with Jesus? The Bible tells us so. I don't want you to forget that because it's not just the criminals that were crucified. We were crucified with the Lord. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, a verse that I think every believer should know. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, very personal, and gave himself for me. It means that if you were the only person, the only sinner on earth, the Lord Jesus would have died for you. He loves you as a person. So his sacrifice on the cross was not just for the whole world, as good as that was, but it was for you and for me. It's a good verse to have. He loved me and he gave himself for me. How do I know that Jesus loves me? He gave himself for me. When you are in doubt about the love of God, don't forget, he loved you and he gave himself for you. All right. How did Jesus die? Was he killed? No three questions. <laughs> What's the answer again? He, he laid down his life. He laid down his life. All right. I think he was killed, and I think he also laid down his life. Right? Uh, I was discussing this with my wife, and I said, I think the laid down his life supersedes 
they was killed. But both happened. Because you couldn't kill him if he didn't choose or allow you to. Okay? So let's read this just so that you see that the scriptures. Mostly what I do when I stand on this pulpit, I want to emphasize the word of God. That's all I want, mostly what I want to do, to remind you of the Bible. And while they were gathering together, that's Matthew 17, 22 to 23, in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is going to be handed over to men and they will kill him. And he will be raised on the third day and they were deeply grieved. It's, it's amazing to me how much he was in control. This is long before the cross. He says, the son of man is going to be handed over to men and they will kill him. And he will be raised on the third day. But he also laid down his life. John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18. For this reason, the father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it back. No one has taken it away from me. But I lay it down on my own. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back. This commandment I receive from my father. He chose to die for us. And this verse... In Matthew 27, verse 50, we read, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up. Gave up his spirit. Loud voice, to me, means he died in strength. Not in weakness. It was a cry of victory. Gave up his spirit, to me, means Jesus died because he chose to die. Every other person, we die because we have to. We expire at some point. But Jesus died because he chose to die. Who loved me and gave himself for me. All right. Those are the seven words from the cross. So let's remind ourselves that when Jesus was on the cross, he said these words. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He was saying it to the crowd, to the people that were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they were doing. And in the original text, he was saying it over and over and over again. It wasn't once. And then he spoke to the thief beside him, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the second word. A repentant sinner made it to heaven just as he was about to be crucified. The sinner didn't need to go to church. He didn't need to be baptized. He didn't need to keep any commandments. All that gave him eternal life was the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And then he looked 
at his mother and said, Mother, behold your son. So he looked at his mother and he looked at John and said, Mother, behold your son. And then he looked at John and said, Son, behold your mother. And from that hour, the Bible says, John took Mary to his home. And then he made this cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the first three words were spoken while there was daylight. From 9 a.m. till 12. And the last four words were spoken while it was dark. From 12 till 3. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so that you know this is the one uh, set of words from the Lord Jesus Christ that is a direct quote from the Old Testament, Psalm 22. And then he said, I thirst, depending on your translation, I'm thirsty. I didn't speak on that one. He said, it is finished. I spoke on that one. And today it's, Father, into your hands, I entrust my spirit. All right. Let's read. Luke chapter 22, verse 44 to 49. It was about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the entire land until the ninth hour. Because they stopped, the sun stopped shining. And the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And having said this, he died. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God saying, this man was in fact innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, after watching what had happened, began to return home beating their chests. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance seeing these things. So today we speak on, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Four facts. Preacher last week says facts are important. So four facts. Because they form the basis for faith. Four facts today that you need to take home. Jesus literally died. It wasn't fake. He literally died. That's important. Fact number two. He died very confidently. And fact number three, he died willingly. He wasn't compelled to, he died willingly. And fact number four, he died victoriously. So Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. In some fashion, they all capture these facts. He literally died. You say, everybody knows that. <laughs> you know, why are you saying that? It's important that he died. And it was real death. It wasn't fake. Why? Why is that important? 
So let's read. And I want you to pay attention to the scriptures. You see, like my emphasis is always, what does the Bible say and how does it say it? Why does the Bible make the point to emphasize certain points? Now, in John 19, from verse 31 to 37, we read, Now then, since it was the day of preparation to prevent the bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews requested of Pilate that the legs be broken and the bodies be taken down because it was going to be Sabbath. So, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other man who was crucified with him. But after they came to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Yet, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately, blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. Why? So that you may believe. For these things took place so that the scripture will be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. Those are the scriptures. And again, another scripture says, they will look at him whom they pierce. Just to bring to your attention, all of the scriptures are in the Old Testament. And that's in the Old Testament, but this is the New Testament. And at a minimum, the distance between the Old Testament and the New Testament is 400 years. At least. Okay? So, you can see from this reading that the soldiers needed to break legs to ensure that all the people on the cross die. Why? Because the next day was the Sabbath day. And so they went to the first person. They realized he wasn't dead, so they broke his leg. You know, the leg was the means by which the people on the cross could breathe. So they have to, you know, be able to raise their leg to, to take in air. So, but once the leg was broken, that means... It quickens death. So the first person was dead. The second person was leg was broken, but Jesus' leg wasn't broken. And uh, they realized he's dead. To make sure that he literally died and he wasn't faking it, they pierced his side. And in doing so, they fulfilled scriptures. All right, so let's read the next one. In Mark chapter 15, from verse 42 to 47, when evening had come, since it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, it was so important to the Jews that no criminal, nobody is hanging on the cross on the Sabbath. Very important. So Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who was himself also waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now Pilate wondered 
if he was dead by this time. And summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And after learning this from the centurion, he granted the body of, to Joseph. Joseph bought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been cut out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were watching to see where he was laid. So he died. It was real death, not fake. It wasn't an illusion or an imagination. Jesus literally died. We need to remember that Jesus had a real human body. And experienced sinless infirmities of people. That means he grew up like everybody else. He ate. He drank. He slept. And he felt pain. And he suffered. That's important. You say, why is that important? In the early days... The question wasn't whether Jesus is God, but whether Jesus was really human. And that's why the book of 1 John is written. That's why it's written, to answer that question, that it wasn't just some spirit that came down and performed miracles, but that he had a human body. So it's important that we know that. Now, the Romans officials who were in charge tell us that Jesus died. The soldiers checked. Not only that, even the governor, Pilate, inquired. And the head of the soldiers also checked to make sure that Jesus died. He didn't pretend to die so he could fake resurrection three days after. This is a very popular theory. They call it the Swan Theory. It's very common among non-believers that he faked uh, death so that he can, you know, pretend to resurrect. So that's important. The officials of Rome ensured that he died. The writers of the gospel make sure that they record it for us so that there is no mistake. The centurion, Pilate, the soldiers, all of those people ensured that Jesus died. So the swan theory or the faint theory, where they said, well, he fainted on the cross, and when they put him in the coolness of the tomb, he shook up and then came out. That is fake. And it's propagated by enemies of the gospel. Sometimes in order to um, discountenance or in order to, to, you know, to, to bring down the idea of the resurrection. I just want to remind you that he defeated the last enemy, death. And he defeated death for us. And he went through the valley of death for us. So that's important. He literally died. Jesus died in a literal sense. No question about it. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Point number two. 
He died confidently. He put his spirit in the hands of God. He died with confidence. He was assured that the Father was with him. That he was not alone. The Father's presence was with him. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, three times he addressed the Father. At the beginning, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. In the middle, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at the end, he said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. He was assured of the presence of the Father. In fact, it was only at that dark moment when our sin was laid on him that the Father forsook him. So the presence of the Father was assured. And that inspires confidence. He also was quoting scripture when he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was quoting Psalm 31 verse 5. Which reads, into your hands I entrust my spirit. You have redeemed me, Lord God of truth. So he took out the into and he took out the redemption because he didn't need that and then replaced it with the father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So he claimed God's promise and prayed while on the cross. And all three prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ are tied to scripture. Forgive them for they know not what they are doing. He said he made intercession for the transgressors. That's in Isaiah 53. And then, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is in Psalm 22. And then, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. That's Psalm 31 verse 5. He prayed while on the cross. He lived by the word of God. He knew the word of God and he put it even in the midst of suffering into practice. That's a challenge to us. We need to know the Bible and live by the Bible. The word of God is important. It should be our daily diet, something that we take in and should guide our lives. He was also assured of the Father's protection. You know... <laughs> Think about it. The Lord Jesus throughout his earthly ministry before the cross in some fashion was in the hand of people. He began with the hand of Mary and then so many other hands. When he was on the way to the cross and the garden of, 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 of uh, Gethsemane, he said, uh, he, said uh, he told the, uh, the Peter, James, and John, get up for the hour has come. You know, that the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of sinners. And so he was in the hands of sinners at that time. Many hours in the hands of sinners. The sinners took him and then they performed a rogue trial. Not only that, the hands of sinners beat him, spat on him. The hands of sinners nailed him to the cross. But at the close of his death, he went back into the hands of the Father. Because he was assured that there, in the hands of the Father, there is protection. 
the safest place to be is in the hands of God. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your situation, that is the safest place to be. Because there is protection, there is provision, and there is abundance. So the question is, are you a child of God and do you entrust your life into the hands of God? It's the safest place to be. Jesus, on his way out, entrusted his life to the hand of the Father. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He died willingly. We've already said this one, right? We started with this because I don't want you to forget. I want, that's why I was told, if you don't want to forget, you say it once, you repeat it, and then you repeat it, and they say, why is he saying the same thing? Again, you repeat it again. Because you need to remember that Jesus willingly died for us. It wasn't because he was not able to defend himself. It was a choice that he made. Let's read it again. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it back. This was before he went to the cross. No one has taken it away from me. But I lay it down on my own. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it back. This commandment I receive from my father. And then we read this, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit where he said he died in strength, not in weakness. He gave up his spirit because he chose to die. He chose to die for us sinners. He chose to die for us godless people and wicked people so that our sins would be taken away. So he died and he died willingly. Final point. I've already asked you this, right? And we realized that he was killed, but he also died willingly. The shepherd willingly laid down his life for the sheep. But before he died, he did a few things. He forgave his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He gave salvation to a repentant sinner. Today you will be with me in paradise. And he cared for his mother. He finished the work that the father gave him to do. We ought to follow his examples while we are alive. We should forgive those who wrong us. We should. We should preach the message of salvation to those whom the Father brings in contact with us. We should proclaim the gospel while we are still alive. And we should take care of those that God has put under us. So we ought to follow his example. Before he died, these are the things he did while on the cross. Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. He died victoriously. 
This one is very exciting. He died victoriously. He wasn't a victim. He died victoriously. I'm sure you've read some of these passages, but you didn't, probably not careful to notice the nuances. So let's read together. Several miracles happened when Jesus gave up his spirit. Let's read it together. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil was that thing that separated sinners from God. And only the high priest could get in there once a year to atone for the people. And even then, the people were not sure whether he would make it if he goes into the presence of God. And so what did they do? They tied a rope and a bell on his feet to make sure that they are hearing broom, broom, broom. And if that noise stops, they know God has struck the high priest. It's time to pull him out. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That's a miracle. It wasn't torn by human hands. It was by God. Not only that, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. There was an earthquake that happened. Not only that, this one, I'm sure you haven't paid attention to it. It says, and the tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, when did they come out of the tombs? After his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now as for the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus when they saw the earthquake and the other things that were happening, they became extremely frightened and said, truly, truly. Usually it is Jesus that says truly or verily. Now the centurion is saying truly, this was the son of God. So several miracles happened when Jesus gave up his spirit. The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. It kept everyone except the high priest from the presence of God. And in Hebrews, it's interpreted to, for us what it means. In Hebrews 10, 19 to 20. The veil is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's approach God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. And let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope for, without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. So the veil was turned. 
We have access to the presence of God and we can enter boldly. Boldly I approach. This could not be done in the Old Testament. Like I said, the only person that could do it was the high priest and once a year. But now it doesn't matter where you are. In the bus, at home, while lying down on your bed, in the classroom, at work, you can enter the presence of God because of the Father Jesus died and opened the way. You have access to God. Graves opened and many bodies of saints resurrected after Jesus resurrected. I find this fascinating. That when Jesus gave up his spirit, saints or believers who had died before were resurrected or came back to life after Jesus had resurrected. And not only that they came back to life, they went into the city and they were walking around. I have to assume that they had resurrection bodies. That they had different bodies. But I am uncertain as to whether they went back to build houses or they went back to heaven. But I have to assume, thinking logically, that they probably went back to heaven. Who will want to stay here? So this happened when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected. This is telling us something. It's telling us that if you are a saint and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a sample of what is going to happen after you die. That's why death has no victory over the believer. So, graves opened and many bodies of saints resurrected after Jesus was resurrected. It means death is defeated. Earthquake shook the area. I mean, a good student of the Bible will realize that when the law was given in the Old Testament, what happened? There was a lot of earthquake and the people you know, pulled, pulled back and said, Moses, Moses, please, you go meet with God. This is terrifying. That's the earthquake at Sinai. But the earthquake at Calvary was the one that opened graves and brought believers back to life. And so when you, if you are a child of God, your future is good. And this was done to show us that the believer, death has no victory over him and the law has been conquered for us. The Lord Jesus is a means and source of victory. And is the only victor we have. And that's why we should glorify in him and boast in him. And that's why Paul could go to Galatians and said, God forbid that I should glory or boast in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's the means of victory for us. Jesus died victoriously. You should know this verse. You should cram this scripture. You know, just in the modern day, so easy. Play it. 
as you are walking, play it as you are sleeping, let it play, play it, and then your brain will record it, will record it, record it, and after a while, you will say it naturally. Paul writing in Corinth says, but with the, when this perishable put on the imperishable and this mortal put on immortality, then we'll come about the saying that is written, death has been swallowed up in victory. And then he goes on, where oh death is your victory, where oh death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory because he died victoriously so that we might have victory. Wrapping up. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He actually died or literally died. So don't let those that you know, propagate sworn theories that say he faked it so that he can pretend that he resurrected. Don't let them confuse you. He literally died. He was pierced. The centurion checked. The soldier checked. Pilate checked. All of these were Roman officials. They wanted to make sure that he died. And he died. He died confidently. Because he knew that he was in the father's hand. And he died willingly. Laying down his life for us. And he died victoriously. He conquered sin and death and fulfilled the law for us. We are the beneficiary of the cross. And the only thing that we can do, quite frankly, is to say thank you. Thank you. And if you don't know him, this is a good question. Do you know him? Because you can't conquer sin on your own. You can't fulfill the law and death if you don't know him you'll be swallowed let's pray and so Lord we thank you for your son our savior the Lord Jesus Christ the one that died for us he died to give us victory help us to, to meditate on this victory on a continuous basis so that we may have victory Thank you for his willingness to die for us sinners. As we depart, we ask that your presence will go with us and you help us in all of our undertakings. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.